Welcome to the 4th and Forever podcast. My name is Stuart Bothwell and his name is Darren Butter. And um, uh, it's a little bit weird these days, I think, because, um, you know, there's no more NFL on. Like, what do we what do? We do? It just kind of feels a bit strange. Like, I did, I did some work on a Monday and I've just been, I've not been looking and analyzing stuff again. It's, it feels weird. It's like I have time again. Like, how, how you feel about it, man? Um... Pretty, pretty good. I think the the season was was um was a good season, and you know the Mondays I've kind of got some work to do, so <laughs> it's kind of good to yeah, likewise be able to have Mondays back. Um, but one thing I never noticed is that the, the English Premier League was on a winter break as well. There's been like I think it was Watford Everton was like the only sports thing I had to watch this weekend. And then and then the XFL came in and that was um interesting. But Yeah, it was a bit. To be honest. Like, um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy. <laughs> that I get to do some other things. <laughs> yeah. Like uh we'll just we'll just do this pretty casual then, but like um just since you mentioned mentioned it, what did you think of the XFL? I thought the quality for some of the skill positions was actually much better than I expected it to be. Um mm. there's a couple of good quarterbacks. I think the difference between Johnson Johnson's injured, but the difference between when Johnson comes back, McGloin, and I think there's another guy who's had proper snaps in the NFL, and then the rest mm. of them is pretty obvious. Um, mm. So there's a couple of teams that are really at an advantage because they they have, you know, quarterbacks that are pretty good. But the first couple of games are really competitive. And then the Sunday mm, I, I games that, were kind yeah. of a blowout. So, so. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, like w- one thing that I kind of felt from that differed from the AAF was that uh, like the, the receiving seemed to be better. Like uh, unlike the actual play design, the coaching, everything seemed to actually kind of work. It, it looked almost like a real football game. Yeah. Whereas in the AAF, sometimes these balls, which should be catchable for NFL receivers, they just weren't. Just wasn't happening, but there there was some spectacular catches. There was some proper athletes out there making guys miss, and um, there was some guys who were actually just putting the ball on the money. A couple of really big savage hits as well. Um, like it was just it was quite an entertaining uh, like like week one. But of course we don't want to get too um, too into it before it gets snatched away cruelly <laughs> from us or anything like that. But sure, as, as a product, it looked good. Well, the, yeah. the two... And it looked, it looked interesting in terms of the, the other, like the differences in it as well. The, the rule changes, uh, things like the, the, the kickoff I thought was particularly interesting because um, rather than having all the guys line up behind the kicker when the ball's kicked, they all line up on like, was it the, the 35 or something? Yeah, it was kind of a and... battle royale kind of setup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I certainly liked it because it, it allows for kicks to actually happen, but also minimizes the the full speed collisions that you you can often find on kickoffs from from days gone by. Well, that was one thing that um, Vince McMahon was really big on. He had like two things when he announced the XFL a couple of years ago. One, Johnny Manziel was never playing in it. <laughs> and two, the um, the touchbacks were annoying. 
Yeah. So that was like one of his main things is he wanted to get rid of touchbacks because it's the worst thing in football to him. So it's interesting that they've actually been able to develop something that is a bit different and allows you to return the ball and at the same time kind of reduces those head-to-head clashes. Yeah. Yeah, there was, there was definitely some good things. And also the, the speed of the... Um, the, the challenges from upstairs was great as well. Uh, obviously, you're not going to get them always right, but if you've got someone up there who's actually able to look at it a lot quicker than the referee was, it's you know better. Makes things keeps the flow of the game going, and just kind of looked that way. Looked looked good, and we we saw some good um, like former NFL players. Uh, sorry, not, they weren't good in the NFL, but some good performances in some of these games from former NFL players and some from some other guys that we perhaps haven't heard of. I think probably the most notable one that we keep hearing had a had a good first day was uh, Cardiel Jones, uh, former Ohio State Buckeye, and oh, where did he go? Did he go Buffalo? Um, yeah, it was something like Buffalo or Oakland or something, but he... Um... Yeah, I think it was Buffalo, and then he was in San Diego for a bit, but um, he was like one of the... Uh, what, I think he, has, has he like has he never lost a college game or something like that. Yeah, so he's still something like seventeen and zero or something. I think he was after that. Yeah, game. not not bad, not bad. Yeah, but so the DC Defenders beat the Seattle Dragons thirty one nineteen. The Houston Roughnecks um, ended up blowing up the LA Wildcats thirty seven seventeen. But there was some some really interesting play in that one as well. Some some good good shots. Um, and then the New York Guardians defeated the Tampa Bay Vipers 23-3. That was absolute romping. Uh, before the St. Louis Battlehawks with... It's all one word, Battlehawks, but the H is capitalized. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm not, it's something that people have been having, like taking umbrage with. I'd, I'd never noticed it until now. I previously thought it was just a typo, but yeah, that's kind of weird. Uh, beat the Dallas Renegades 15-9. Um, shan't delve too far into it now, I don't think. But I think it's something that we'll perhaps keep tabs on and just see what we think a couple of weeks down the line. Certainly don't judge uh, a, a book by its first week. Yeah, what well, was a good first week? Um, I found it amazing. Marquette King was the most amazing punt in history and the boy touched it back. Have you seen that video? No, I'm not. He punted it from like the 20 onto the one-yard line and it stopped on the one-yard line. And oh. the um, the gunner thought that the defender had touched it, so he gra- he mm. jumped on it and put it in the end zone. <laughs> so it's obviously touched back twenty yard. Um, but yeah, so I think Marquette King's been trying out as a wide receiver in this. So <laughs> see if he gets interesting. Gets an option to play. <laughs> he runs like a four six, four five or four six or something. He's yeah, got dude, dude's an athlete. It's weird to see him not like in an NFL uniform. I think he wants too much um, money. And, you know, they've got all these Aussie boys coming in and getting, like, half a million to play. Are you going to yeah. sign Marquette for two and a half, or are you going to just take a chance on a LSU well, grab? Yeah, just another something? guy who punts it, yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, again, shouldn't spend too much time in the XFL because it might not be here next week. But um, if it is, then it's, we'll at be At least happy. it's owned by a, prof- like a billionaire who has stakes in it this time. So yeah, maybe it- I can't, we can't wait to see him bring in multi-ball or, like... At halftime, another team gets uh, gets put into the mix, and it's a three way battle or something like that. Or they have a ladder match where there's it's like seven points to the the team who gets to the top first or something. Well, I saw that um, the the XFL 
fans already were like, oh, well, if you watch this, we might get a, a XFL 2K game. So Interesting. <laughs> so we might get a rival to Madden if people watch it. So that was the reason. <laughs> oh, calm down. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's been a while since we've had a, a, a decent alternative to Madden, which I've totally fallen away from lately. But, um, yeah, yeah. Cool. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, a, a, another um, brand of football which I went to see at the weekend, uh, which is totally different from the NFL, but still impressive all the same, was um, the Capital Bowl here in Wellington, where the Hutt Valley Spartans took on the Wellington Wolves, and um, it was impressive, man. Like honestly, I, I had a great time watching these guys. I went down with my my parents, my mum and dad, who were over visiting from Scotland. And uh, we just had an absolute ball. It was a really close-fought contest. It was six-all at halftime, but uh, things just absolutely blew up in the the second half. And uh, eventually, after the Spartans kind of pushed themselves out into a, a quite substantial lead, the Wolves managed to get it back to within about three or four points. Um, it was really, really looking good, and we saw some really excellent quarterback play, some really good line play, and the, the Wolves' defense was actually impressive when it needed to make stands. But then it, it just got to a point where they were just being bowled over by some really big Hot Valley Spartans who uh, ended up just managing to pile it on and just managed to sneak ahead before laying it on a bit thick to 34-26. And... Um, like, honestly, man, the, the quality of football I saw on this was pretty good. It was on a very windy day, so the ball was being held up quite a bit. But um, the, the, the running game and some of the feats of athleticism from some of these guys, it was really, really good to watch. Um, and you have all sorts of <laughs> shapes and sizes of guys as well. We had some really massive offensive linemen, some uh, undersized guys who were still really holding their own and pushing things up. A couple of guys, including friend of the show, Tam Tika, he, uh, he was moved out of position to play right tackle and still did a very good job. Um, but some of the highlights I ended up posting up on the Facebook page, uh, including a like, spectacular one-handed catch from uh, a receiver uh, who's num- number 99. I won't go naming any names just now yet because I don't want to just name like one name and have it be wrong or anything, but... Uh, uh, he actually broke his leg early in the second quarter and went on through the course of the rest of the game and made two of the biggest catches that I've I've seen this year. It was just really good fun, and I would totally encourage anyone in the Wellington region to go along and just like check out your local team, Hutt Valley Spartans, Wellington Wolves, Porua Warriors, and uh, and just go just go support it. It's just great fun to watch. They're really really good, high quality stuff. Yeah, I'm. Um- I was impressed with what I saw in the um, in the highlights. So it's a shame I didn't make it down. But um, I've had a few mates who've played for like the Porro team and in the past, and they've always said it's been really competitive. I think one of the issues always been trying to get enough people um, for each mm-hmm. each week, each game. But the ball games um, and hopefully the intercity game that's get us, you know, um, kind of. Um, showdown they've got next month is going to have you know yeah. full full 40 players and full yeah Auckland they need. versus Wellington yeah so yeah. <laughs> so it's looking it's looking good for them um, if they can get a few more numbers I think people don't really know what's on it's all all the teams seem to be out in the suburbs you know Miramar Porra Hutt Valley and yeah get a few more young young people out to to watch and play and 
see how it does. Yeah, it needs to be publicised. Um, I think is the key key thing here. Uh, get themselves out in the community and just let people know that they're there because it's just like I say, a fantastic watch. Um, and th- there was a really good crowd out at um, in Wainui Omata. Uh, I'd say there's probably um, about 100 people there uh, watching, and uh, like yeah, everyone just just loving the big plays, loving the big hits. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know what more I can say about it. It was just a really good uh, quality clash between two teams who uh, were, were just giving it their all. They were not willing to to let it go one way or another. Like when the the, the Wolves went uh, quite far behind. But the grit and determination that they showed to stop the Spartans, I think it was on four straight drives, and uh, then on those subsequent other drives, score touchdowns. Um, it was it was just really good to see that these guys weren't giving up on each other. The defense was supporting the offense. The offense was supporting the defense. Uh, it, was, it was just a you know, excellent spectacle. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to what, what Wellington do against Auckland. Hopefully, make it down for a couple of those games. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, we'll certainly try and get ourselves into an attendance, and um, if possible, we'll maybe see if we can start covering the games a little bit better. Uh, keep keep people like more in the know about what's going on with that, and uh, and who knows, maybe get ourselves a little bit involved with both teams ourselves. Sorry, all teams ourselves. <laughs> see how we go. Sounds good. Awesome. Cool, cool. So, yep, uh, congratulations to the Hutt Valley Spartans and uh, commiserations to the, the very valiant Wellington Wolves. Uh, we are really looking forward to seeing more of you guys as well as the Porua Warriors again next season. So, I guess moving on from there, uh, what we want to talk about this week, Darren, is um, kind of what we feel, you know, just sort of giving certain people the credit that they're due throughout the course of the, the last season. So, there's some guys who, well, actually, this isn't all just credit where it's due. It's also pointing out some people were a bit shit at times, too. So uh, we just kind of want to hand out a few awards. Some of them are prestigious, and some of them are a little bit more like our equivalent of the Razzies. Um, so we just want to dive into that and um, just basically say a couple of names and talk about we things that we thought were interesting from the season and were noteworthy. Sounds good. Let's get into it. Cool, cool. You got anything you'd like to start with, or should I hit it off? You hit it off, and I'll, I'll come in with my hot takes. Right, oh then. Well, uh, the, the first award which I would like to give out is for the, the most ridiculous season. Now, there's a, a few people each year that do something kind of crazy, but um, I can't think of anything that's quite as crazy as the season that Jameis Winston had this year. Um, with 33 touchdowns, which is really, really good, uh, a league-leading 5,109 passing yards, but somehow managed to throw 30 interceptions in that span without being benched. Like, that's just absolutely unreal. No, no one in the NFL has ever thrown for 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in the same season. And it was just... The weirdest thing to watch, it was kind of enjoyable, but every time that he would go and throw a pick six, which he did also set a record for the most pick sixes for, it just, you just had to laugh because he was just so good at the good things, but so bad at the bad things. And uh, the, the juxtaposition of seeing these things happen, like like sometimes one after the other, was mind-boggling. And 
for the most part hilarious. Yeah. Um you kinda hope if you, you draft someone at, at twenty one, twenty two, by the time they're twenty six and about to get onto their second contract, maybe some of this stuff would have been beaten out of them a bit. Um it hasn't been. It's for for <laughs> his career he is to be fair, this is pretty it's pretty outstanding. In four years, he's got just under twenty thousand yards and one hundred and twenty-one touchdowns. The issue yeah, you, you is, take that. is that he has eighty-eight <laughs> interceptions. <laughs> and most of, and like of those eighty-eight interceptions, thirty of them came this season. And I, mean, pe- I feel like we're he looking was, for something from this year. I feel like he was better he, he, in his rookie season. Like they had such a rank team. It's like he's overconfident mm. in the tools and weapons he's got around him and <laughs> just expects that they're going to get the ball every time he throws it. Also, he just has these lapses in concentration. I just You can't win yeah, a game if you're really 14 nil down after 10 minutes. No, I mean, it's okay to, to, to throw these picks when you're coming from behind and you're just trying to make something happen. But when you are just doing it at all times, just completely gunslinging with not a care in the world, it's going to get your team into trouble. But like, if you can just iron out, just take out some of these mistakes, then it would be it would be not fine. So it would be not bad. You'd see like a, a lot to to go with here. Um, it didn't help that the the Bucks had no running game this year for the for the most part. But they do have the likes of uh, Chris Godwin and uh, Mike Evans out there who are just absolutely balling out. But that's because they're being given so many opportunities uh, by Winston to go up and do something. But, yeah, like it, because their defense is so awful and they can't like hold things off, uh, it, you know, it, it's not as if they can compensate for all of these interceptions that Jameis has to... Like, adds to the equation and then puts them under the cosh because like like interceptions could be taken back to the like five yard line and then the defense manages to like hold them off for a bit but then lets in a touchdown it's not the defense's fault it's that's on Jameis yeah just such an interesting guy and we're, I'm really interested to see what happens with him this off season well like, there's, um, there's a couple of things because if he takes the if he gets franchise tag for the well, this year it's going to be like twenty five mil or something for the for the season. He'll cost Tampa yeah. Bay, whereas at the moment he's probably maybe an eleven million a year quarterback. Um, mm. Kind of in that um, Bridgewater and I'm trying to think of the ginger boy that played for Tampa Bay before. He got paid about eleven million. He was at the Bears as uh, well. Mike, Mike Glennon. That's it. Mike Glennon. He's kind of he's, like, he's on fifteen million or something. Yeah, like well, that's now. like James is meant to be on like Mike Glennon money. He's not meant to be on thirty million a year. But if they franchise tag him, that's what he's going to be on. Um, well, I would I would think they'll probably they will franchise tag him, and you know this is a Bruce Arians system now, right? And apparently Bruce Arians systems usually take about two two and a half years to like settle in uh, for the quarterback so maybe next season's going to be it I don't know I guess it'll all depend on what that front office does and speaks with Arians and whether he thinks this is something he can do 
or if they're going to say pull in someone like Philip Rivers, whose name I keep hearing mentioned with uh, with that side, because like he did some great work with Carson Palmer in Arizona. Pierce well bringing him another back. project like that. Hmm? Not that down on Rivers, but I am that down on Rivers. You may as well bring Carson Palmer back. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you on that as well. I I don't think that going for Rivers, who had the second most interceptions in the NFL after Jameis Winston, is that much of an upgrade at this point. Um, I reckon they're probably going to franchise tag him, maybe still draft a quarterback just to you know say, look, you've got this one year, do it. Otherwise, you've got this guy who we're just going to just going to shove out there. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah. I kind of hope he, he figures it out. I don't know. I mm-hmm. think he he has it in him to do it, and but he's the most frustrating and fun to watch player <laughs> in the league. It <laughs> really moment, is. So. It really is. I don't. I don't want this situation to change. I just want to, like, every now and again, just be like, "Oh, there's nothing else on." Ooh, ooh, there's a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers game on. Let's just go and watch some chaos. Perfect. He is Winston Chaos. <laughs> Indeed, he is the agent of chaos. Um, anyway, we should probably move on. Uh, do you have uh, have an award for us there, Dan? Um. I saw your one, so I've kind of gone a bit differently. I, I want to say that, like my my drive of the the season, um, being the the Dolphins against the Patriots, the drive to yes. win the game, um, changed everything. Made it so much easier for the you know for the eventual winners, the Chiefs, to get to the finals. Knocked mm-hmm. knocked Brady for six. Um, and may have changed the future of the league. And this is yeah. a team that wasn't meant to win a game. And a quarterback that was meant to be done. It was just amazing. It was amazing to watch live and yeah, it's um that's that's kind of my moment, um, my drive of the not necessarily my moment of the, of the um season, but definitely that drive. Perfectly done. Parker and Fitz uh, Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick just completely on the same page and Couple yeah. of little little bursts from the intern uh, and running back, <laughs> and it's just kind of everything, you know. The go- David versus Goliath, all the cliches. It was just great. It was it was what you want to see um, yeah. in the NFL. And I would have been like that if they'd done that to the Chiefs. It would have been the same for me. But you know, it, it does feel even more special when you're beating a six-time champion and a, yeah, a nine-time AFC champion. Mm-hmm. Well, like I think um, that actually. Uh, ties in very nicely with one of my awards that I wanted to dish out, which was the National Hero Award, which I just wanted to give to Ryan Fitzpatrick for helping orchestrate that drive. Uh, like, you know, beating New England with what is supposed to be a poor Miami Dolphins team in the last week of the regular season to rob New England of a home playoff berth was absolutely spectacular. And like the, the way in which they did it uh, was nothing short of spectacular. And um, uh, I, I'm actually somewhat surprised that Stefan Gilmore ended up still getting the Defensive Player of the Year nod, given that he was absolutely torched by Devante Parker in this one. Um, and, you know, with that being relatively recent, it's usually something which is fresh in the mind of fresh in the minds of the voters. Um, but no, he still got it. But still, yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he, we were talking about him last season, uh, obviously with the Buccaneers being the, the, the tandem with Jameis Winston and how volatile they can be. But Ryan Fitzpatrick's just perfect for that system. Uh, and just, you know, 
well, certainly perfect for the coaching staff anyway, to go out there and just get wins from teams that shouldn't be getting any wins. And to do that against the Patriots would have been so sweet for them. And I'll admit, it was quite sweet for me too. Nice. Yeah, national hero. Um, didn't would he be Scottish national hero? But definitely <laughs> sub. We're, we're voting for you, America. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, national hero or NFL hero. Congratulations, Ryan. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Um, I'll maybe just jump on into a, a more negative award, and that was, uh, for me, the, the biggest in-season fall from grace. And I'll have to give that one to the Dallas Cowboys. So they were rolling all over teams early in the season, including, you know, the likes of the Miami Dolphins, uh, just rolling all over them, touted by some as Super Bowl contenders. Kellen Moore being hailed as a play-calling savant, and everyone's like, oh, well, like, he's got to be the guy. You know, it's got, got to be him. And like, if, oh, if, even if Garrett does go, it's got to be Kellen Moore that goes in. Then they just crumbled in big games, and even lost teams like the New York Jets and finished 8-8 eight and eight again after such a promising start and it ultimately cost Jason Garrett his job and that's probably about fair. Yeah, um, Jason Garrett, too many mistakes in crunch time with play calling. There's a couple of fourth downs where he wanted to go for it and then wasted a timeout and then two minutes later went for it. Um, mm-hmm. And he just he couldn't control the clock and they had a difficult run against um, the divisions they were playing against they had a couple of big games and they just, they couldn't do it and it was the right time for a change it was probably the right time for a change a year and a half ago and yeah, they've done it now and like I don't know what Kellen Moore is, he'd probably be a great college coach to be honest but because um, he's a great college quarterback and he does seem to like the spread offense and, and get get wide receivers on the ball but I think they were weighted down by just the kind of incestuousness of the Cowboys it was all very old old blood like they they didn't have really much new new sparks all the same voices all the same people you can bring back Jason Witten is like oh really just go out and draft a tight end um yeah it's just a few things that they kind of wanted to hold on to some Nostalgia for a period where they never won anything. I, I don't know. Mm. So it's good that they've made well, like, this change. I don't think McCarthy, based on the stuff he's been doing with his time off, is going to really allow that nostalgia. We might see a few big decisions yeah. being made. Um, yeah, former Green Bay Packers coach Mike McCarthy, the guy who was sacked for basically not being forward-thinking, coming into a, a job in Dallas for a coach who was being accused of not being forward-thinking and progressive. It's... Interesting, but maybe McCarthy's had some time to stew on things and he set up his own organization, which was being used for consulting purposes. Like, I don't know, maybe uh, maybe it is the right decision. But yeah, basically, the, like changes need to be made because that roster in Dallas is actually really good. Uh, they just need to figure out what it is that's going wrong because they shouldn't be far away from like at least contending for the Super Bowl. Well, right now it's um, not very good. They don't have a wide, their best wide receiver or their quarterback on the roster at the moment because they haven't paid them yet. Mm-hmm. So that'll be the first big decision they make. 
Yeah, I think Dak Prescott's up there as about number two on the NFL's list of top free agents, which will be interesting to see what they do with him. And Amari Cooper is, I think, back down in like number number six on that list behind like all the other quarterbacks. Um, and I don't know who else have they got up there. They've got a couple of other guys. I think they've got oh Byron Jones as well. They've got three guys who are going to be after some big money because they, they be paid Jalen now. So they've paid Jalen Smith and they've paid. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel, um, or Zeke mm-hmm. Elliott, and Zeke then they've got the yeah. other three to pay. It's kind of unfortunate for them. Like, they've paid their offensive line, so they haven't got any of that really coming up, but five of their skilled players coming up at the same time, it just kind of says something about the way the rosters have been managed recently, and maybe you shouldn't hire mm-hmm. your son to do that, and you should actually get someone that knows what they're <laughs> doing. That's just for, yeah. from me, you know. Um, I've seen a, seen a lot of, um, of these kind of hires in the kind of jobs I do, and in the industry I'm in, it doesn't work, and I don't think it really works in the NFL either. So, hmm. I got to say, like the the longer it goes on, the more skeptical I am about them giving Zeke Kelly as much money as they did. Just in terms of cap management, and like I know he's a really good running back, but you know, it just I'm like the I, the more and more I think about it, the more I agree with the PFF guys that it only works in, in the right situation, and you can have other good running backs out there who can do you lots of good for far less money and it's just kind of a it's just kind of a hindrance to have that much money tied up in a running back much like the Jets have in Le'Veon Bell now yeah well he's not really on that much compared to what Zeke's on but the Todd Gurley then yeah Todd Gurley what Melvin Gordon was after he's he's um he's gonna be a bit of a weight but you can't judge well the stuff around his knee is like Surely that should have been known before they signed him. Um, if you're mm-hmm. doing your medicals properly and actually looking after your players, the the one I found interesting is PFF have um, Derek Henry. After all his off-season stuff, they have him as like the 40th best free agent. Mm. They're really down on running backs. It's just it's just the, the value of it now, and like the the more and more they put out the stats and the numbers, and people look at these things. Uh, the the more unsustainable it, it seems to be. It's just okay. You had a a really great season, but it's not just you that's having that really great season. It's happening because the offensive line is like playing out their skin. They're playing really well. And um, what was happening before Ryan Tannehill was in that squad? He wasn't really being noticed nearly as much. I do really like Derek Henry, but paying a lot of money for a running back, uh, it's it's just. It doesn't seem so practical. If you've got the cap space, and like, and you can bring someone in like that, and you've already got all the other pieces in place, then yeah, sure, I guess. But it's really dangerous to have all that money tied up in a guy who you know might go down with injury, uh, which is far more likely with running backs. And just with likes of Saquon Barkley, like the other season, you can be fantastic. You can be a generational talent, but you just can't contribute on a team that's got a crap roster like you have to build everything else first yeah and and they, they kind of have like they've got I don't know about Tennessee but the Cowboys with Zeke they, they do have their offensive line locked in Tyron Smith's been been a little bit difficult um, maybe he's going to be a bit of a a pull on their resources just because he just can't seem to stay on the field and his play's been a bit down um but 
Zeke, Zeke. I think they needed to keep Zeke to keep the fans happy. And this just it just all comes down to why not keep the fans happy by signing a, a new coach at the start of last season. And then if the new coach is doing well, it kind of takes the pressure off needing to sign these players. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. This Cowboys are the Cowboys. They're in a really easy division. They couldn't even get out of it. So yeah. I don't think they're worth speaking about just now until they sort themselves out and go six and old next year, then we'll have a chat and then they'll end up mm. ten and six or six and ten, you know. Yeah. Well if uh, if if they don't need to be spoken about then let's stop it then. Let's move on. Um you got another award for us? Um I'll try and run through these relatively quick because I know you have to to be elsewhere. You've got to pay the bills. That's right. I've got got two two awards. I've got the utility MVP award. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Now there's a couple of uh, potential high flyers in that one there. Yeah, I, it was I, a close guess battle. Guess I know where you're going with, but I'm sure it was a close yeah. battle. But I have to give it to Kyle Yushek of the 49ers. Oh, okay. Um, nice. Seeing out Taysom Hill just by getting a couple of touchdowns in the Super Bowl and just being irreplaceable. I don't think people realise what that fullback of his quality does for that Kyle Shanahan system um, in protecting Garoppolo on heavy sets to blocking for runners and actually being the runner and getting the ball out of the backfield if he's the last last look. It's really impressive what he's done this year um, mm. as a fullback, which apparently when I first started watching fullbacks, there was only like four in the league. So they, they've done a great job with him. He's done well to stay on the field, and you've seen it with other teams when their starting fullbacks gone down. They've really dropped off like the Ravens had a couple of games about their fullback that they struggled in the the Patriots ended up playing a tight end at fullback instead of replacing their um, fullback they got injured and you can see a drop mm-hmm. off immediately and Kyle Yushek, he's been available he's been there and he knows his system he knows his role and it just makes it so much easier for the rest of that offense and they were so close to winning the Super Bowl mm-hmm like I think the whole thing about Taysom Hill is that you know we've heard his name for the last few years and he does all these spectacular things at the the skill positions like he's a he's a strong runner he's uh, he's, he's got the ability to throw he's used as a wide receiver as well punt returner um, but he's not out there for for that many snaps I think he's only ever out there for about twenty percent of the snaps um, whereas Yushek is involved heavily in blocking and as a receiver as well. Um, and I think his his snap counts up around about um, I think it's well let me see I've actually got the numbers here uh, about thirty seven percent right yeah so considering that the the running back by committee there so you got Tevin Coleman's out there thirty five percent Raheem Mostert was out there thirty four percent and Matt Breda was out there twenty three percent if the guy out there is like blocking all the time and like for a position which is traditionally just not used that often. Yuschek was out there for nearly 400 snaps and he was being used as a blocker, as a receiver, as a running back and was highly effective at each. And um, I think that your, your your pick is interesting because Hill was so flashy yeah, uh, and he's been a hot commodity. Everyone everyone wants to see what he's going to do. He's exciting. But Yuschek is do, he's getting the hard yards there. He's blowing up guys who are actually bigger than him. To, to open up holes for the likes of Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breda, Jeff Wilson, Debo Samuel coming through the middle as well. Like 
he is a very vital cog and one of these guys who's still very unheralded in the NFL, but he really should be. People should be taking note of Kyle Juszczyk. Yeah, and the way it's kind of worked for the 49ers is that, you know, the Rams were the kind of pioneers, McVeigh, you know, getting the running back to the outside, uh, all this flashy, you know, movement before the snap and, you know, really just wearing teams down on offense. And both Harbaugh and Shanahan have managed to go, okay, well, what McVeigh was doing was good, but everyone's figuring it out. So if we stick a fullback instead of a tight end beside the quarterback, Mm -hmm. we can block an extra person and it gives our quarterback more time to drop it off or to throw the ball or for our running back to get outside. And the Rams have kind of been left behind because they don't have a fullback. They're not playing fullbacks. They're playing heavy tight ends. Having a... yeah, so it's having like, a fullback can allow you to do things like you can pull the guard from one side of the line round to the other, and then the guy, the, the guy who would be going through that gap, thinks, "Oh, I've got a free shot to the quarterback," and then all of a sudden he's getting blown up by Cal Yushek, and it's actually working on a counter to the other side. It's all this misdirection and clever like, use of the space that they can make, and uh, just using Yushek to to plug up holes which aren't usually. You know, like either either aren't usually there because they don't have a fullback to cover them, uh, or he's just he's making the space himself. Yeah, and to be fair, Taysom Hill is really good at doing that as a wide receiver. True, um, true. As a run blocker, but I think it just really dawned in that Super Bowl how much they need Kyle Ushek, and it was good for him to get that that those couple of touchdowns. It was oh, get to the first one yard line and then get the touchdown. And those two yeah. drives, it was. It was impressive. So he's my utility MVP. I do have one more. Um, the other one is the underutilized MVP, and I have, oh, to, okay. have to give That's that. To hear this one. Have to give that to Nick Chubb. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe, or was that a little bit of Brown's bias? We might hear. Yeah, it maybe. From the but fans un- there. underutilized. Um, God, what he was able to do per play this season was really impressive. But I guess we'll never really know what was going on in Freddie's head. And why he was off the field so much, and why they were throwing it so much on first down, but I think. Oh, you say you say underutilized, but he did have uh, nearly fifteen hundred yards, eight touchdowns. Oh, for how many carries? Uh, <laughs> oh, two hundred and ninety-eight, which is which is good for a running back. Um, but uh, like, and he also had um, thirty-six receptions for two hundred and seventy-eight yards. But I, I get where you're coming from because the way that that team was set up, you saw all these like opportunities, and uh, it just looked as if they weren't putting Chubb in any of them. They just weren't utilizing him properly. They were setting up in uh, like a lot of alignments and formations where you're just like, why are you, why are you doing that? Why, why is it this setup? This is clearly a situation for something else. But I don't know, maybe. Freddie Kitchens was all about misdirection or something yeah. like that. I don't know or if I'm stealing. He was just really wanting to try and utilize his other weapons, but even those guys weren't being utilized properly. I don't know if I'm stealing this from somewhere, but watching the Browns this season was like watching a kid who doesn't know how to play mad and who just keeps pressing X and pressing verticals. And, <laughs> that sounds about And right. hoping their wide receivers are going to get open for an easy throw. And it never happened because there was no... There wasn't misdirection. There wasn't, you know, scheme fit to the game it always seemed to be on Baker and Baker's not ready or I think he's he's all like I'm, I'm a 
I'll defend Baker. I think that he was put in an impossible position this year. The amount of times he had to run out of the pocket because every play seemed to need like three seconds to develop. It's just he he needs more like it needed to be first and second down Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb and then third down Baker. You got a scheme for your the team and if your running backs getting all the play because you're creating space by having three really good receivers then take advantage of it and yeah for that Nick Chubb was just so underutilized he was only ever running in the first there's like one game where he only touched the ball like three times in the second half after having like 120 Mm. yards in the first yeah I guess it's just they fall behind and again that's the sort of systematic thing about sorry symptomatic thing about running backs is that it doesn't matter how good you are in the first half if you're still falling behind then you have to go you rely on your passing game in the second half but if you're really intent on doing that, then you know, you've still got to try and utilize someone like Nick Chubb even in the passing game because he's if you get the ball in his hands, he can be making guys miss and he can like really be sticking it to them. Yeah, yeah, but you got to scheme these things up. Well, we'll see what happens now with um, Stefanowski or still not Kevin Stefanski. I, I still don't. I'm not even that bothered about him either. I'm, I'm worried it's going to go wrong again. I wanted, I'll be honest, I wanted a Rivera or just someone to calm it mm. all down a bit. Um, bringing in another rookie is uh, not necessary. Like he's not obviously not career-wise a rookie, but he's a rookie head coach, and yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, Browns, Browns Nation, whatever it's called, mm. we'll, we'll yeah, see how we, it goes. We, we will see. Unfortunate news for Browns Nation is that uh, this week their beloved mascot dog Swagger passed away at age six. Um, so our hearts go out to to Swagger, his family, and all Cleveland fans out there who are missing him dearly. Yes, indeed. Um, moving on, and I'll try and get through a couple of mine pretty rapid fire, kind of like you did there. Um, the biggest start to finish underachievers. So I had my biggest fall from grace was the Dallas Cowboys, but the start to finish underachievers for me had to be the Los Angeles Chargers so like touted by many to be Super Bowl contenders as well with this crazy looking roster uh, and like apart from that weak offensive line that they had and that turned out to be one of their downfalls but their defense just seemed to be nothing without Derwin James for the majority of the season and just completely massively underperformed all across the board uh, so they ended up 5-12 and 12 rather than a projected 12-4 and four. Like it's just it was just an absolute mess. And uh, in other recent news, Philip Rivers is now out the door. He'll uh, be with with another franchise because he's not going back to the Chargers this season. So that's pretty pretty interesting to see where he lands. No, it's not. <laughs> well, I mean, it's something that people are going to be following, and it's going to be bring some element of intrigue. And possibly some hope to some team somewhere, presumably. Um, you know, I've I've had to deal with him in my division for the last uh, sixteen seasons, but um, I barely even noticed because the Broncos usually beat them anyway. Well, he, uh, can, yeah, is he, he's not going to sign for the Broncos though. No, <laughs> no, no chance. <laughs> Absolutely no chance. We would not do that to our fan base, would we? Would we? Would, would, would they do that? They no, they wouldn't. No, um, let's go. <clears throat> I'm going to say. This is off the top of my head how I would do it. Falls to the Chargers. Ooh, okay. For a second. Um, Minshew to start in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Rivers to 
I kind of think he should be out of the league, but he will go somewhere. Just retire. Yeah, he'll probably end up at the Raiders or. Um, Ooh, Raiders would be interesting, but I mean, you know, would that kind of ruin things for his uh, Chargers legacy, or does he not care at this point? I don't think he cares. Mm-hmm. They literally said they were potentially going to release him while everyone was dealing with the Kobe stuff. They don't care. Mm. They just want him gone. I've, I've heard a yeah, I've I've heard a lot of uh, talk about Rivers to the Colts actually, so that would be quite an interesting one. Just for the one he's year until with... Andrew comes back. Maybe, maybe he's maybe he will be that stopgap. Maybe Phil Rivers can be the ultimate bridge quarterback. You know, who who knows? I'm I'm totally on board with Luck coming back and doing a whole MJ I'm back thing and going to the Super Bowl <laughs> in his first season. I can just see it. I think he's. Can you just compare Andrew Luck to to MJ. Well, to do the... do you mean Michael Jackson or Michael Jordan? <laughs> Michael Jordan. <laughs> to do the same the same kind of thing anyway. The the press release I'm back. Oh, he can be in Space Jam three. Yeah. Awesome, cool. Okay, that's enough talk about that just now. Um, actually, we should maybe go on like and do our own little QB carousel thing at some point. But uh, you know, there's other places let's, that are doing that at the moment. Let a few we'll, of we'll, them we'll let other things contacts, sell first because at the moment it's ridiculous. Like Breeze is a free agent, Brady's a free. Like, just let a few of them sign their contracts, and then it will be a bit easier to. Yeah, bit... there's there's many of these things that like these guys are either not leaving their organization. Like, or they're going to retire. Like, it's, I, I can't see Breeze going anywhere else other than New Orleans. Um, but yeah, who knows? We'll get back to that later. Anyway, I'll move on. I'll fly through. Uh, I've only got two more left. Okay. So, biggest surprise Tennessee Titans. Dead and buried at two and four. Uh, then, after a complete goose egg against Denver in week six, Ryan Tannehill comes in and completely redefines that team, gives them an identity and changes them into one of the most efficient offenses in the league thereafter. Derek Henry finds a new lease on life, and uh, they just start slinging it. A.J. Brown uh, really emerges as a number one receiver. Uh, Jonu Smith comes in and starts absolutely mossing people. It just looked like such a massive turnaround uh, after they moved on from your boy Marcus Mariota, which, of course... We, we we always wanted the best for Marcus, but it just never quite worked out from there. Uh, he, I believe, is also going to be a free agent, so see what happens there, there too. But um, yeah, Tennessee Titans, big surprise, big comeback. Ryan Tannehill was awesome until the playoffs. Well, we won one in at Foxborough. They might not have needed him to be that great, but he made a few third down plays and they, they got to the championship game, so... Yeah, I think he had like six completions in that, but that's all he needed on the back of uh, Derek Henry in that particular game. But you can't win every single game like that. That's an outlier, I'd say. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. Did, did you agree? Have, yeah. Disagree? Yeah. I, I like that. Bounce back. Comeback ability. Yep, we should definitely give Tannehill the comeback player of the year, uh, which he did actually get from the Associated Press also. Uh, I'll, I'll maybe run through some of those uh, more interesting ones uh, just before we finish up, but I'll, I'll move on to other stuff just now. So um, I'll finish up with uh, our last award, which is the Our Boy Award. No surprises for guessing who this is going to. It's the boy, Shaq Barrett. He did us the honor of shouting out the show, then went on to lead the league in sacks with 19 and a half. Russia was it even did he even get up to like got, 20? twenty? I guess it, did, it, I think it depends on whose stats you're looking PFF at. PFF having twenty. Yeah, yeah. 
It's uh, so I, I, I'll, I'll believe more PFF than NFL.com. Then we'll call it there. Twenty sacks. How how, how excellent is that? It's gonna get paid. I mean, obviously, yeah. Oh, he should do as well. Like some people might say, like, oh, but it was cleanup sacks and things. But shut up. Shaq Barrett is great. He's been great since he was with Denver. He's great now with Tampa. He's more than likely going to stay with Tampa, according to what we've been hearing. Like, yeah. And also, this just goes to prove, and it is absolutely certain now that if anyone wants to win an award, they just have to shout us out. Yeah, so exactly. Cecil Martin can expect another one. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly sure that uh, Floyd Little wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame uh, had it not been for us. Uh, don't bother looking at the timelines for that, guys. Just just believe him. Just believe us. He's in like five Honestly, Hall of Fame, apparently. He's like yeah, seven seven halls of fame, I think it is, or ten halls of fame. I don't know. I think he's in like the, the, the hall of fame for um, just being in hall wearing of nice glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the Floyd Little Hall of Fame for Floyd Little being. Yeah, you nailed it. He's great. Anyway, that's um, that, that'll do it for our awards. But um, yeah, the Associated Press had um, had their awards. And is there any that particularly stood out for you that you disagree with or you think were you know, it was like a lot closer than maybe the voting would suggest. This is going to be a hot take. I, just, I don't think Lamar Jackson was MVP. Oh, okay. I just, well, I, I think just um, don't of, see it. of all like, the people, they were good, but no. Yeah, I think he was supposed to have been unanimous apparently, and I think it's just because of how exciting he was. But um, so, if you're not putting Lamar Jackson in the MVP. Are, are you going in the PFF route? Because I believe they were about the only people who said that uh, they believed, statistically, uh, going by their numbers, that it should have been Russell Wilson. I think per minutes played and snaps taken, the MVP's Mahomes. And mm. if you're going to go by 16 games, it's it's close between Wilson and Jackson. But uh, Wilson's a better player. I'm sorry. I just... For me, Russell Wilson was more of an MVP than Lamar Jackson was. I watched well, some of those again, games. This... He was just outstanding. He kept his team in games they shouldn't have been in. Whereas Baltimore yeah, were just killing teams. Yeah, exactly. Because like the the MVP thing, people were just like, oh, well, he was the flashiest and they, they won the most games and everything like that. And he was clearly a main part of that. It's like, yes, but there's this, this entire system built around him to ensure that he succeeds and it was a fantastic system, and I think that uh, John Harbaugh and Greg Roman uh, more than likely deserve their head coach and offensive coordinator of the year accolades. Um, but Russell Wilson was doing things with far less and kept that team really competitive and got them to places that they really should not have gone. Uh, and so it just depends on like what, what do you put down as most valuable is, is it is it someone who can go out there and raise everyone else on their own, or is it someone who can go in there and use what like fantastic physical tools that they've built an offense round? I, I don't know. It's hard. Like I'm not going to say that Lamar Jackson didn't deserve it, but that whole award is is still a bit a bit weird, and it always has been. I, He's always going to be a quarterback. Yeah, I, I really want to see the Lionel Messi award for being the most Messi-like NFL player go to Ryan Fitzpatrick because I've never <laughs> seen a player in the NFL do what he did this year, which was literally single-handedly do things like beat three players he led the team off in the rushing. snap and then ping a forty-yard pass, or you know, it's just it was really impressive. And I just don't think 
compared to if you're going to go with the four players that really stood out in the quarterback position for MVP, for me, Mahomes, Fitzpatrick, Wilson, Jackson. I just think Jackson's the least talented of all f- all four of those players, and it was a lot of system. And he's yeah, he's a runner, but if you look at it and go, okay, who actually won their team the most games? It's going to be between right. Wilson and Fitzpatrick. Including Ryan Fitzpatrick in this conversation, that that is one spicy take, Darren. That is about as hot as it comes. That is surface of the sun hot. But people there. don't watch the games. Watch <laughs> the games. Like he was so like, good. I, I see. I see where you're coming from, and he was interesting. And the things that he was doing with no one around him was amazing. And the fact that they got any wins this season is 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 fantastic. I won't give him MVP though, but yeah, it was very, very good to see what he was doing. He gave them a shot, but he's just going out there. He's not playing hero ball. He's just playing for fun. He knows what his career is now. He's just trying to wind it down. He's just having fun these days. Yep. Rest in peace, Josh Rosen. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that was going to happen to him. Like, I remember talking about him, but barely, barely happened this season. Um, what else we got here? Michael Thomas was uh, Offensive Player of the Year, wide receiver, of course. He had a crazy year. Uh, Nick Bosa was the Pepsi Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, Kyler Murray won Offensive Rookie of the Year. Mm. That was a bit of an interesting one. Um, I mean, usually this sort of thing does go to QBs. Um, but, you know, maybe even Gardner Minshew, when he was playing, might have had a shout at this. But perhaps because Kyler Murray kind of elevated his team into something and like you you maybe see more potential from Murray maybe that's just why they gave him the nod in this one yeah Kyler Murray to me is really similar to Trey Young in the NBA where it's like cool you can do all this stuff but can you win some games like yeah um they just don't have that you know Trey Young and for Atlanta puts up like 40 points a night it's like the the best a rookie's ever done but last season anyway he's in the second year now but it's like cool have you won any games like they're still under 500 and Kyler Murray's a bit like that he kind of needs yeah he has moments and he's consistently starting which is a big thing for rookies that's why Craig Gardner Minshew didn't didn't get it Um, yeah but it just doesn't stand out because there just wasn't and they're in a terrible division for a rookie quarterback to come into but they just didn't jump out at me. There wasn't enough of his plays, to be honest, that jumped out. Just just your favourite one of the season against the Denver Broncos, right? No, that was Mahomes. Oh, well, there was the other other one. Well, I think like Mahomes had one of them, but there was the uh, Gardner Minshew one where he's like oh, dancing sorry, about. Yes, the Raquel yeah. Armstead touch. I thought you were talking about um, the other lad, Kyler. Oh, all right, okay, I don't know. Karen Brenny of his place. Um, yeah. And that's what I mean, Like it just doesn't stand out. Minshew definitely was better to me in the pocket. He he should get the start next year, I think, um, for this yeah. team if they want to build going forward. He's just shown a, a level above what they've had in recent years. Yeah, well, as, we head into, as we head into free agency and... Uh, you've got the NFL Combine coming up before the NFL Draft in April. There's still a lot of humming and haying, decisions to be made uh, before and after that time. And um, there's going to be some some 
big things are going to happen. You're probably going to see some retirements. Some guys are going to move to places and change uniforms and things are going to happen that you're going to be like, wow, that I didn't see that coming. And this, this year actually looks like a really fascinating one for free agency in particular. And uh, the draft looks absolutely loaded. It's just, the year is only just finished, but I'm already looking forward to a very exciting 2020. Yeah, so if we, this is going to be um, be fun, but say we say it's 11 personnel and the offensive line is one unit, what's your team mm-hmm. of the year? Oh, jeez, you're going to ask me that now? Yep. Okay, right. Um, Mahomes at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. I think now. Uh, running back, Derek Henry. Okay. Uh, do I have to have fullback? In which case, Kyle, use Sheck. No. Can I, can I have him as a flex? Well, you can have him as your tight end if you want. Okay. Uh, that's my tight end. Okay. Uh, it's 11 personnel. Three wide receivers, one tight end, a running back, and a quarterback. Okay. So a wide receiver, I'll take uh, Michael Thomas. I think that uh, that's, should be a, a given, yep. really. Um, I'll, across from him, I'll take uh, Julio Jones. Okay. And I'll take, oh, I don't know, Mike Evans. Nice. Yeah. I think that's a good one. Uh, a tight end, uh, George Kittle. All day. All day, George Kittle. Uh, Travis Kelsey is fantastic, but Kittle on a play-by-play basis helps out in so many aspects. He can he can catch, he can run, he can block. He's uh, just possibly one of the best, uh, one of the best, if not the best, players in the NFL right now after Aaron Donald. Um an offensive line, ooh. I, I don't know, just maybe based on reputation, still Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> Not on coaching. Um, no, no. My, yeah, I think that's probably about right. Did you change any of that? Um, yeah, mine would be similar. Mahomes at quarterback, really Henry or Chubb at right back. Right back, sorry, running back. Mm. Um, I suppose you could also include Christian, Christian McCaffrey in there as well. That might be someone I would maybe... Lean yeah, let's go there. I'll say McCaffrey. Yeah, yeah. Say McCaffrey. I think just because of everything then, um, he did in the yeah receiving game too. I think I'd put in. Um, I'd put across from each other. You'd have your obviously Michael Thomas, as you said, and um, Mike Evans before he got injured, and then I'd probably say AJ Brown as the third one, just as that kind of inside. Get him on the get him on the straight, and then Kiddo at tight end, mm. and the San Francisco offensive line. Okay, yep, excellent. Now, is that San Francisco offensive line with a Kyle Shanahan scheme, or with just some jabroni scheme? No, it's with Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey and everything. Yeah, no, that I mean, I mean got. more like the, <laughs> the the actual scheme because like the, the the way in which those guys are told to block is uh, is very key to how how they tend to operate. But yeah, I guess, especially since I've got Cal Juszczyk in there as well, I suppose putting in San Francisco's line would also make sense because they could all, they'll just work quite symbiotically. They weren't fantastic through the course of the entire season, like technically, but the space was created with the likes of Juszczyk and George Kittle. So basically there's three from the San Francisco 49ers in there, which I think is fair. Yeah. yeah. It was mm. a really good season. I'm looking forward to see what Mahomes does next year and what rest of the NFL does to, to come back and 
This is mm. a really interesting free agent class. I think there's going to be a lot of changes and, you know, we don't know what's happening with Big Ben either and yeah. there's just so much going on, but I think we'll give ourselves a, a little bit of time before we start yeah. speculating on that because how quickly can these pods go out of date at this time of year? <laughs> Let's go have a little rest. We'll come back when we've thought of some other stuff to talk about, which I'm sure there will be plenty of because, uh, you know, there's always things happening in the NFL. And, uh, yeah, maybe maybe we can, like, cut it back to once every two weeks, every now and again or something before we just actually fully wind down. But, um, yeah, we'll we'll discuss that off mic and uh, keep you guys posted. Oh, we'll definitely be keeping tabs on the uh, the local teams as well. Uh, maybe keep one eye on the XFL. We'll just play it by ear, right? We'll see if they if they get to like week eight out of ten, then maybe I'll start talking about the XFL. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll see how we do. But the, the season, uh, anything... like the NFL, just doesn't stop. Like the big story today on NFL.com is that Rivera expects Trent Williams to play next year, which. Yeah, interesting. You know, that changes a lot for that team, and it's literally two a week after the Super Bowl. So there's always stuff going on. So I'm sure we'll have emergency pods and all the stuff going on. But it'll be it'll be good to yeah have those chats off air and see what we can bring to everyone. And if anyone has yeah. any feedback and wants to come on a pod and have a chat and things like that, just let us know, and we'll this is the time to do it. Yep, absolutely. Please do hit us up. Uh, you can get us on the Facebook page. It'd probably be the, uh, the the prime way of getting hold of us. Uh, otherwise, you can email us at fourthandforeverfootball at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, just just reach out. We lo- love to like have people engaging with us. Uh, it's just it's all part of the fun here. And um, yeah, thanks to any new listeners that we picked up from the Capital Ball. It was um great to see you guys uh hitting each other on Saturday and let us know what you want to hear and what any inf- anything you think we can do in terms of promoting the Wellington game. Yeah, absolutely. Spot on there, Darren. And uh, also, uh, just another thing on that, I'm going to see if I can cut together some of the footage that I had from that bowl and I'll see if I can get it to you guys. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be in touch. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Excellent. Thanks very much, guys. We'll catch you later. See you.